Welcome to the Mortis and Tenon Magazine podcast, where we're celebrating historic furniture making. Uh, this is episode number one, the very first one. Yeah. Uh, we plan to have periodic updates, uh, maybe every couple weeks or so. Um, I'm Joshua Klein, editor of Mortis and Tenon. I'm Michael Optograph, I'm editorial assistant, and a few other things. So we uh, just got a few things, uh, some updates. We got some interesting uh, new products and some different things to talk about there. And then we got a new workshop we're working on, a yeah. bunch of bunch of stuff. Um, we also, um, on our YouTube channel, have a new video up um, about uh, four planes. So, uh, yeah, we just want to cover some of those things. Uh, I guess, first of all, the big news, I think, the biggest thing is that we uh, just shipped out issue three not too long ago. Yeah, uh, we had our, our big uh, packing party. We had volunteers coming in, some people from as far away as Virginia. Yeah. Uh, Reed, we're talking <laughs> about awesome. you. Yeah, we're just amazed. Uh, Reed was, is awesome. It was a great time. And uh, got them all sent out with few issues. Yeah, the Postal Service did a good job. Yeah. We only had very few that were damaged in transit, so uh, it was really smooth. It was good. We were super thankful that we had a bunch of people travel out to come help, and uh, it's just always a blast. Yeah, so. and we look forward to the, the next packing party for yeah. issue four. And we also, so we also do have um, a bunch of distributors that are carrying the magazine. We've been getting feedback on issue three, and we're just really excited about yeah. it. Um, we're excited to be able to uh, to send this new issue out into the world, especially my my favorite piece is the one uh, with uh, Kenneth Courtmeyer and Drew Langsner and how uh, Drew has passed the, the torch, the craft school torch onto Kenneth and his wife, Angela. And in their new school is the main, uh, main coast craft school. Yeah. And this is the story all about uh, you know, that passing and their relationship. And uh, Mike and our content editor, Jim McConnell, did a really great job hey, putting thanks. that <laughs> putting that story together. And uh, I'm just super excited about it. it yeah, out great. Yeah, that's a fun one. We've, we've had a lot of fun with issue three and we're getting started. Well, issue four is well underway. We yeah. are excited <clears throat> about that one. We say, I think with each one, oh, it's the best one yet. <laughs> and that may be true about issue four. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, which would take over from issue three, the best one yet. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I have been working a lot on um, finishing the tables video, which we filmed several months ago. July uh, or July, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we, we filmed that and I began the editing process and then we got into the work on issue three and then the work on our new shop, which we'll mention later. <clears throat> and so the, the tables video took a back seat as all these other things came in. And now we're diving back into it. And uh, so I've been going full throttle on that. Joshua has been doing, uh, recording his voiceover, um, his uh, explanations of what's going on in the footage. As, as you probably know, uh, the way that we do these videos in the apprenticeship series is by recording the action and the work and then doing the instruction by voiceover. So it's a little less awkward. You can really focus on the action rather than the the interaction with the the person talking to the camera. Yeah, I'm pretty awkward. So <laughs> so, so we want to avoid that awkwardness as much as possible. Uh, so 
that's been really great. I some days I kind of feel motion sickness at the end of the day looking at all these clips. Uh, but <laughs> but but you won't. You won't. <laughs> no, I mean I'm looking at them over and over and over. And so hopefully you'll just kind of watch it through and enjoy the fruits of our labor, yeah. so to speak. So yeah. And uh, yeah, now that issue three's kind of been settled, and now we're kind of polishing off this this video. Uh, I've been able to focus on a few things I wanted to get back in the store. Um, we got Zach Dillinger's book yeah. uh, in the store uh, with saw, plane, and chisel that was put out by Popular Woodworking. Um, that book is awesome. It's, it is. If you like M&T, you will love this book. Yeah. Now, this is the book um, that I keep thinking about, oh, it'd be so cool if I could write a book that's like showing basic hand tool uh methods and tools and then go through projects by form and then i realized yeah, oh period forms exactly. oh yeah zach yeah. dillinger already wrote that's that book. the book <laughs> so he's written it it's awesome so we have that in our store um and you can uh check out the, the link here to to find that um and then also we got some new stickers our our new logo yeah the um the hogarth thing no hogarth's pyramidal logogram right <laughs> yeah i think that's that's what it's called um, yeah, and so those are really cool. They're great for inside a toolbox or on a window of your car. They look very mysterious. So it invites conversation. <laughs> what is that all about? Yeah. Uh, so, and then um, we have another one coming. Oh, yeah. Well, we got another sticker coming. It hasn't yet arrived from the printer. Uh, <laughs> and I will say, so I, I pitched this idea, this sticker, to a friend, and he told me, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> it, yeah, li little controversial, maybe. A little bit, but it's totally lighthearted and just silly. So uh, it'll be good. You'll see. Yeah. It... <laughs> you'll have to wait and see. You'll see. New, another sticker's coming. Yeah. Um, and then mm -hmm. the workshop. Yeah. That's what we're really trying to finish all this stuff up so we can focus on this workshop. Um, I just uh, I just purchased a shop from Vermont. This uh, this frame that was made sometime around the year eighteen hundred, and um, a guy named Luke Larson and his crew uh, from uh, Green Mountain Timber Frames came up, and they raised this. They restored the whole frame. Uh, they took it down, restored it, brought it up here, and put it uh, up on my property in Sedgwick, uh, in, in Maine, and. It's just a gorgeous frame. It's this big chestnut and beech hand-hewn frame. Um, it's 26 by 24. And so um, that's going to be the new M&T headquarters. That's where Mike and I are going to work, uh, build furniture, edit the magazine. Yep. And we hope to offer some workshops, be able to have students up uh, doing classes. So we're super excited about it. Uh, we just got a whole pile of 200-year-old uh, sheathing from uh, the company from Green Mountain. And uh, so we started to put that up. Yeah. And this afternoon, actually, we're going to go back over there and, and uh, pick it up where we left off. Yeah. Up, up here in, in Maine, where uh, the uh, autumn season always brings interesting weather, everything starts changing and it starts getting windy and we have these storm systems come up. Uh, and so right now we're between two big kind of rain events. And so we're hoping to get <laughs> a little bit more sheathing up uh, on the walls uh, to avoid having you know, basically ponding of water inside the structure. So 
yeah. hopefully we'll get some of that done today. Yeah, and then it's just Windows. Then we're going to work on Windows yep. for a long time. Uh, we bought a bunch of uh, antique 6 over 6 sash windows, and we will be reglazing yep. them and repairing the joinery. We've been doing a, a lot of research and reading and uh, you know, the proper way to work on these and getting tooled up for the process. And so just look for more on that uh, on our blog and elsewhere. Uh, as we get going on that, it's going to be a lot of fun, and we have a lot of windows to do, piles and piles. So yep. that'll be good. Uh, yeah, anything else going on in the woodworking world? People you follow? Um, yeah, I uh, watched a new video that uh, the English woodworker uh, put out, uh, Richard McGuire. Uh, he put up a video about um, uh, building... It's sort of a traditional wooden plane, but it's with the laminated construction. So it's kind of like if you took a traditional, uh, you know, beach wooden jack plane or four plane and merged it with a Krenov plane. Mm. Uh, so it's the reason he did that is because he wanted to make uh, plane making really accessible to people. Yeah. Um, but it has a traditional look and feel um, and uh, it's got the same comfort of that. So um, the video is awesome. They do an awesome job with their with their video production. I'm pretty jealous. They're, yeah, <laughs> they do an awesome job. Real, so. I, I haven't seen it, but I'm definitely going to. Yeah, I was just telling Mike about it. So that's good. Uh, we I'm really happy that that's out because we are pretty passionate about wooden hand planes. Yeah. So that's just one more awesome resource. Yeah. So, and yeah. as we mentioned earlier, uh, we have just finished up and we'll be posting a video on YouTube about uh, wooden body four planes. So check that out. Yeah. Um, something I've been following, uh, you know, the, the world of Instagram, uh, someone named Nick Dillingham. Uh, he's at Black Thunder Studios. He uh, really focuses on kind of the four tool mentality, the, the Northwoods take on, you know, um, I wouldn't call it primitive woodworking the stuff he does. is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, basically woodworking using an ax, a knife, a crooked knife, and an awl. And uh, he makes, um, you know, ash baskets starting from felling the, uh, you know, seeking out a black ash in the woods, felling it, pounding the ash, peeling the strips and making the baskets. And he's been doing a lot of um, bowl carving and he's kind of kind of getting into spoon carving. He wasn't really a spoon carver. But it's been a lot of fun following him on Instagram and seeing the stuff that he's posted. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. And as I said, just with four tools. What is that? Black Thunder? Black Thunder Studios Black is Thunder his Studios. Instagram account. Cool. I'll check that out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. And we, we were just, just uh, talking about some books that we've been reading. Um, I have been... Again, reading, um, what is it? It's uh, Country Furniture by Aldern Watson. Um, that book is one of my favorite books. It's so cool. Um, he's mm. got this description of what the country uh, furniture maker was, who, what vernacular furniture making was. And uh, I think he was an illustrator or something. Um, so the book is full of his drawings of all these these jigs and fixtures and um, different tools and workshops and stuff. It's, it's a really, uh, really great book. Um, my, my eight-year-old boy was, and he saw the book and he's super excited about it and said, Papa, can we read some of it? <laughs> so we spent some time reading through and I don't even remember what section we were reading about auger bits or something. And he was just, wow, that's so <laughs> nice. awesome. This book is so cool. So, 
Uh, Aldrin Watson's book, Country Furniture, uh, is a really great one. Um, and sort of the spirit, there was one quote I found here from the book about the, the country furniture maker. He says, he may have worked according to traditional methods, but every furniture maker, since he was an individual with personal and sometimes peculiar ideas, evolved his own ways by intent, by accident, or by intuitive proclivity. So that sort of kind of summarizes the way he, he approaches this, this topic. He shows uh, the common threads that tie these makers together, but he also shows some of the unique, different ways. Um, and so I just find this book so rich and so full. Nice. How about you? What are you reading? Yeah, um, so I'm going back through and reading carefully uh, your copy of uh, Mike Abbott's book, which is like 30 years old now, uh, yeah. called Green Woodwork. And it is a great book. It's very thorough. Um, and it's it's really hard to find now, so I'm glad that you have a copy. Um, I've searched for it online and <laughs> auction sites and stuff. It's hard to find for less than like $100. It's one of those so know, weird. out of print paperbacks that you, it's just difficult to find. So if you have a copy, count yourself fortunate. And uh, you maybe could like write to me and, and s <laughs> send it my way even. Um, but it's a great book. It's very thorough. Uh, he, he walks through the whole process of tree identification and felling and uh, talks about spring pole lathe. And he just makes it very accessible. He makes it fun. It's obvious that he has a passion for this and he has a passion for, for teaching it. Um, so I've been going through that book and it's, it, you know, it's that, that time of year where you start getting excited about like winter projects and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, Firewood. That book, yeah, firewood, yeah, <laughs> heavily into the firewood, yeah, right now, getting it stacked and covered, and uh, I, I, I might be a little late in the game. Typically, you have your firewood <laughs> set away, you know, a little before this, but right now the snow hasn't fallen yet, so I figure we still have still got time, still have time. So, um, yeah, and at this point in the podcast, we will. Uh, share with you an excerpt from our Ask M&T segment that we've recently recorded. Um, this one asking the question, basically, what is a foreplane? Yeah, F-O-R-E. F-O-R-E. Not the number four, but no. F-O-R-E, foreplane. Yeah. You know, there, I, I, you know, I think it was Chris Schwartz that really got this, uh, get, got people talking about it um, in, in recent times. Um, and people have, begun to talk more and more mm -hmm. in the past few years about it and there's still a lot of questions isn't that a jack plane yeah. is, don't you mean a scrub plane yeah. what is this what are you talking about yeah are you making this term up i mean yeah. what um so we uh chris didn't make it up it's in all the books that's yeah. what this tool was called for a long time so we uh, had this youtube video that answered that question what is a four plane and our preferences for yeah choice and stuff yeah, so here's some audio from that. Uh, first and foremost, what is a foreplane? Uh, this is a foreplane. A foreplane is the plane you use before all the other planes. Um, basically, it's used to waste off a lot of material quickly. It's used for stock prep, for going from rough cut boards to a surface that you can work with other tools. And it's a coarse tool. It's not a fine tool. You're not taking paper shavings with it. But... Um, this is a foreplane. 
Yeah. And, and some people would call it a jack plane, too. So that's where some of the confusion comes in. <clears throat> isn't that a jack plane? Isn't that a, isn't that a scrub plane, maybe? Right. Um, so uh, we dug up a few things uh, because those terms have been used uh, kind of interchangeably at some point. Some people say, oh, no, this is a four plane. This is a jack plane. Some people see a distinction. Um, and uh, one place to start is Joseph Moxon's text, uh, Mechanic Exercises, uh, 1703, this version was printed. Um, and he describes the foreplane, as, as Mike described the roughing tool, he says the iron has a convex edge, so it's, it's rounded, so it takes a nice deep cut in the middle. Um, and he says this is used uh, basically as coarse as possible. He says it this way, that the iron of the foreplane is to be set as rank as you can make good work with it. That means as heavy. As heavy as you can make good work with it. And that, for speed's sake. So he's saying, this is the tool to just get stuff done. Mm -hmm. Hog material off, work as fast as possible. Um, I did some research on a main cabinet maker, um, and he was working from uh, 1796 to the middle of the 1820s. Um, and he wrote, he talked about his four plane. He had a four plane, but he never used the term jack plane, which is interesting. Right. Um, Nicholson, uh, where's that book? All right. Peter Nicholson's book, um, I think the first printing was 1812. He only really talks about the jack plane, um, the four plane. I think there may be reference to a four plane somewhere, but primarily he's talking about the jack plane. Um, and an interesting reference, uh, if you look at a really good book for this is uh, Charles Hummel's uh, book about the Dominey family. Uh, it's called With Hammer in Hand. And in his section about uh, the four planes of the jack planes of the Dominey family, uh, he's got pretty much the, the biggest, the longest uh, explanation of the history and the way that people have used the term. And he has a quote here from Randall Holm. In 1701, Holm said, the jack plane is so called by the carpenter, and uh, the same is called the four plane by the joiners. Mm. So that's one distinction Holm yeah. makes. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it really, yeah, everybody's uh, got uh, a different uh, yeah, all, that, all that to say, uh, the terminology is not necessarily important. Yeah, you can right. call it whatever you want. You can call this a jack plane or a four plane, but don't call it a scrub plane because <laughs> a scrub plane is something else entirely. Yeah, a scrub plane is, is from German woodworking tradition. It's a different tool. It's a smaller tool. It's shorter. It has a narrower iron. Um, so a, a scrub plane is, is used kind of in the same basic way to waste off material, but a four plane and a scrub plane are not synonymous. Yeah, I think it, like a, a scrub plane's like yeah. nine and a half inches or something. It, right. It's a short little plane and really narrow, mm -hmm. really, really very different tool yeah. uh, for the same task though. Right. The basic idea of what we're talking about, what we're defining as a four plane or a jack plane, is a tool that the it's it's about 16 inches long some of them are maybe as short as 14 maybe up to 18 somewhere in that range i've seen a bunch of different lengths listed um so all the ones we have here we have a whole pile of them um, these are all 16 inches long almost on the dot mm -hmm. um, that's the first key feature the second key feature of a four plane is that it has a convex iron or that the iron is ground in a, a rounded shape so that it takes a nice deep cut in the middle. Um, and 
The third feature is very important, uh, and it's a wide open mouth, really gaping wide mouth, because the point is not to, it's not like a smoothing plane where you want it nice and tight to prevent tear out. This is to remove a lot of material. So you want that wide open, out of the way, so big shaving can, shavings can come right out. Yeah, yeah, so, so why do you need one of these? And basically, if you are prepping your wood by hand, prepping your rough wood by hand, you need one of these. This is the most efficient way to prep rough wood with hand tools. Um, and uh, otherwise, it, it's a struggle. Um, I was telling Joshua, I started out, you know, trying to teach myself how to do woodworking on canoe paddles. My The only plane I had was a Stanley block plane, and I was trying to thickness inch and a half stock down to, you know, a uh, half inch or under for, for a canoe paddle with a block plane. And that's the wrong tool for the job. And if you struggle through that, you'll think, yeah. this is awful. But this is the tool for that. Um, and you should get one, for sure. Uh, the next question a lot of people ask is, why wood, or should I get wood, or does it make sense to have a wooden body for plane rather than, you know, a Stanley or something like that? And uh, we, we are both sold on wood uh, for a number of reasons. One, it's lighter. And yeah. if you are using this plane, what would you say, 75% of the time? That's, that's how I would use it. All, yeah, three-quarters three quarters of your planing is with this tool. And so with each stroke, if you have that much less mass to push, you're saving a ton of energy over the course of you know a few hours. Um, it, it's wood on wood slides a lot better. We find you don't have to wax or lubricate the sole nearly as often, if ever. I, I almost never do. I forget that people do that. And every once in a while, I'll go, oh yeah, that's right, yeah, I'll yeah, lubricate yeah, the sole to try it. Yeah. And then I take a few passes and it's not even that different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wood on wood is, there's not a lot of friction there. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, those two things. Plus, um, you know, this is not a, you're not taking tissue paper shavings with this tool. So it's not um, really intimidating to go out and find one of these that's old and maybe a little warped to, to tune it to do what you need it to do because it's a coarse tool. Um, so this, you know, I like to say it's it's like the gateway to um, the gateway tool to wooden body planes. Yeah. You start with one of these, you learn how to tune it, you learn how to tweak it and get it just right, just how you want it for the the coarse task that it does, and it opens up the world of wooden body yeah. planes to you. Definitely, yeah. Okay, so thank you for listening. Uh, if you like what you hear, uh, you can. Uh, download future podcasts uh, here on our website, or you can uh, look us up on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and we will continue, hopefully, every few weeks, maybe a couple of months or something. Periodically. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. No promises. Yeah. Uh, we'll be updating and uh, sending you information out your way. So yeah. thanks for listening. Thank you.